you guys are in the middle of, of this uh, relationship series, right? And so um, I thought it was great. They gave me the option just to get up here and talk about whatever I wanted or to kind of try to continue uh, with, with a series. So I, I think what I'm going to do is, is I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, God's blessed me with an amazing wife, and it is because of God's grace. And I love those last two songs that we were worshiping because it just literally is everything that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, I, I get to celebrate 20, 20 crazy years of marriage uh, this next month in August. <laughs> Woo, look at that. And, um, and it is because of God's grace. So 20 years ago plus, I decided to go to college. And I don't know why, but they let me in. Um, and uh, as I was walking through the hallways, I ran into the most beautiful woman in the whole wide world. And um, immediately, I was just interested in who she was, what she was doing, just anything and everything. And then I realized that I had actually met her three years earlier, or two and a half years earlier, something like that, when I was like a junior or a sophomore in high school. They have these like preview days things that you do at California Baptist University. And you can, um, you can go and preview the college as, as a high school student. And they, um, you know, they make you think it's like it's the best thing. Like they stay up all night. All they do ever do is play and have fun and the whole deal. And then you get there your first semester and you realize at the end of the semester that you're failing everything because you did everything you thought that, that you could do in preview days. But anyway, um, I end up in choir and sure enough, she's in the choir. Um, she's an alto. I'm a tenor. Um, and so it's great because the positioning is great. I can just kind of stare at her all day. Just kind of look up to the altos or over here. And, um, and I began to just pursue her. And so we ended up going on, on this uh, choir tour uh, where the California Baptist University was going to represent um, the college. And we, we sing for all these uh, little Baptist churches all up and down northern and southern California. And um, that was my moment. Okay, I, I had all planned it all out. I was going to figure out how to, um, how to just, you know, how to, how to get the girl. And so um, apparently there was like six or seven other guys that were trying to do the same thing, you know, because when, when there's, you know, especially in these groups in college and stuff, when like when there's like a pretty girl, you know, and it's like it always just seems like there's like five or six guys that are like, that's that's the girl. And so anyway, everybody told me that she wouldn't give me the time of day because I was a freshman and she was a junior. But I was like, I don't care. I'm moy. I've always gotten the girl. I am, I am the Latin lover. Um, from a little town uh, in Wilmington, and nobody knows where that is, and, um, and, and, and I get the girl. So uh, I, was, I was there, and so after a week and a half of just trying, every time the bus stopped, would get a snack. I wanted to buy her a snack. Some guy beat me to it. At lunchtime, some guy beat me to it. At dinner, like whatever it was, I just wanted, it was just not successful at all. And so um, for the first time in my life, I'm like, all right, Moy did not get the girl. So I'm all feeling sorry for myself. Where the bus, the tour bus is like driving back into the university. And I'm, I'm you know, literally just throwing out the white flag. Like I, I gave up. I didn't get the girl. And um, I'm walking off the bus. And then all of a sudden somebody taps my shoulder. And I turn around. Guess who it was? It was Laura Lynn. And, um, and she's like, hey, do you have to study for finals? I don't study for finals, but I was like, yeah, I do. I do. And she's like, well, great, because I have a key to the campus services office, and um, we can be there till like 5 in the morning. And immediately I'm like, whoo, ching, I'm always getting lucky tonight. 
Um, so I was like, I got to study. I've got all kinds of things to do. And so we head into the campus services office, and it's like old school, like 1990s, like big, huge uh, IBM computers, the tower computers, and then the big, massive cubicle things. And like she's on that side of the cubicle. I'm on this side. She's actually writing papers and studying and, and doing all that stuff. I'm on the other side of, of, of the cubicle, and I'm playing with paper clips, just trying to figure out how I'm going to bust the move. And so... Um, Finally, and you know, if I'm honest with you guys, um, you know, it's like straight up like third grade. Like I'm like, so who do you like? And um, and uh, kind of embarrassing, but hey, you know, I went for it. And so uh, she's like, I uh, like I like you, and I was like, yes, good. So I was thinking that I didn't say it out loud because that would have been creepy, right? But. I was like, I like, I like you too. And so then all of a sudden, okay, imagine, let me, let me paint this picture. It's, a, it's a, like a scene out of a movie. It's romantic. Everything's slow motion. The, 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 the song is playing. I get up out of, out of my seat. I walk around over to the cubicle, and, and um, I'm thinking this is, this is, this is going to be a great, great moment right here. I close my eyes. I pucker up my lips. I go in for the kiss. And then all of a sudden, record scratch. She's like, wait, 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 let's get things straight here. I like you, you like me, this is what she says. But the next guy to, to, to kiss these lips actually has to put a ring on my finger. Ooh, it got quiet, Shishi. It got quiet in here. All right. Um, that was the weirdest thing I'd ever heard in my whole entire life, right? It's like where I came from. Like, it's like, how do you even know if you like somebody if you've never even tasted them, right? And so, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that strawberry is my favorite ice cream flavor because I taste it. Anyway, um, where I came from, where I came from, um, that's, that's what it was. And so it was foreign to me. And so, but what that did is it forced me for the first time in my life um, to actually get to know somebody of the opposite sex um, without, without the sex. And so for the, for the next six months, we became friends. And I had never, ever experienced that in my life. I don't know if some of you guys can um, relate to that, but it was always just about that. It was about that. And then, and then for me, it was as soon as that happened, then it was like, ugh, I can now smell your breath. I can now see all the things that I didn't like about you. And, and, and I just went from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship because as soon as I got what I wanted, I was done. And, and, and by the time I got to college, I was at a place where I was like, man, I'm just kind of tired of this. Is this really what's going to happen for the rest of my life? I'm going to get excited about somebody, pursue them, and then run it all the way through. And then when, when I've gotten what I wanted, just be like, oh, I'm kind of done. And I was, just, I was just kind of at a point in my place where I was kind of done with that. But I didn't know how to express it. And, and I, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm a pastor's kid. I've got all these things going. I know that Jesus loves me. But there's this piece of me that doesn't quite know how to figure out the whole relationship thing. And God places this amazing woman in my life uh, <laughs> to completely confuse me. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And so we become friends. And that was it. And it was, it was amazing. It changed my life. It made me a completely different human being. Um, we got to know each other and, and we developed this friendship. We end up She's not, well, she is here, but uh, she's not feeling so great tonight. You don't want to come up and tell your side of the story. No, she doesn't. So I get to tell it my way. Um, 
she, she found out that, I, we were, that I was going on a missions trip, and so she signed up to go. And if she was here up on stage, she'd see she's shaking her head going, no. But we all know that that's how it happened. Um, so we ended up, we ended up going on this missions trip to, to Ecuador. And, you know, obviously you had to sign all these deals and you couldn't be dating and whatever, whatever. And so, um, but we'd already like told each other, remember that we, that we liked each other. And so um, on the bus, when we could sit next to each other, we would like hold hands, you know, and if for some reason it was like a super long, long uh, bus ride or whatever, you know, we'd fall asleep, our cheeks touching, you know, and, I, and I'd, I'd secretly bust one of these whatever, no, um, magical, it was amazing, no, um, I get halfway through the missions trip, and I realize, you know what, like, we've already been friends for, like, the whole semester, four or five months, I've been getting to know this girl, like, she's just, she's the one, like, she is the one, I love her, like, I just knew it, and so I start trying to, trying to figure out how I'm going to, like, communicate that to her, you know, because saying those words are, like, that's heavy, you know, and I, don't, I didn't like saying that ever. And I knew that when I said it, it was, like, a, it was going to be a big thing. And so I end, up, I end up figuring out this, like, trying to be, like, romantic, and I end up climbing this big, huge coconut tree. It's awesome that you guys have palm trees um, on the screen there. And so I, I actually physically figured out, uh, the locals taught, taught us how to climb these palm trees. And uh, I cheated a little bit, like, uh, you see the little, the little lifeguard tower thing. I kind of used a little bit of, of, of the building and then I jumped off and then I climbed like six feet, but it was really high. And so anyway, I grabbed this coconut tree, my own, my own coconut, you know, I, I grab a coconut and I split it and split it in half or whatever and like make some coconut juice out of it. And then I've got some flowers and it's, it's a, it's rainy day in the jungles of coca. We're in the middle of like jungle and, um, I'm just literally declaring my love for Laura Lynn. again, taking it to the next level. And she says, you know, I say to her, the big, the big word. I love you, and um, I'm just waiting to hear, hear it back, you know, and she's like, record scratch again, man, oh, dude, and so um, she's like, wait, 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 she's like, that's really nice, but um, I, uh, I don't know that I'm ready to say that, and I was like, oh, good. Oh, uh, oh, okay, so I was like, what did I do, I'm thinking about it, what did I do, and she's like, I think that, um, I think that we should pray about it. And she was thinking like, you know, we'll pray about it for a couple months, maybe six months, maybe a year, and then I'll tell you later how I feel. And I was like, I was thinking, okay, cool. Yeah, let's pray right now. So I grab her hands and I'm like, repeat after me. And she's like, huh, what? And I'm like, I'm like, Lord, she's like, Lord. I'm like, fear doesn't come from you. She's like, fear doesn't come from you? And, and, uh, and um, trying, to, trying to do this prayer thing. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm like, amen. And I don't know what happened, but it was a magical prayer, I guess. The Holy Spirit moved in some way because uh, we both said amen. And she looks at me. She's like, <laughs> I love you too. So um, Jesus moves in mysterious ways. Uh, we came back and um, I think a month, maybe, 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 maybe a couple weeks later, um, I planted that kiss, and that was, that was my, uh, that was my, I'm in, I'm putting a ring on that, and a couple months later, we were, uh, engaged, 
And nine months later, we were married. And that was 20 years ago, August 8th. Yeah. So, uh, tonight... We're going to dive into a story. So I don't know how many of you guys uh, brought your Bibles. If you did, uh, let's dive into Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 9. And I want, to, I want to read you guys the story. We can read it together. A lot of you guys have heard of this character uh, named David. David is uh, the, the character that's most talked about, second to, to Jesus himself. Um, there's a lot of stories. We grew up, for those of you who grew up going to church, going to Sunday school, um, you've heard all the popular you know, David and Goliath stories, the Bathsheba stuff, um, all the different David stories. This is one that they, for some reason, don't tell you in Sunday school. And I came across it just a couple days ago, and it really, really spoke to me. But I bet you that the last thing um, that you thought today when you were going into Starbucks getting your cold brew is, like, man, it's so exciting that Moy's going to speak at young adults. I can't wait for him to, to, to speak on Mephibosheth, right? So I just can't wait to get my Mephibosheth on or whatever. Because um, uh, there's this character in the, in the story of David. And so um, let's go ahead and read. And so what had happened is um, David had been promised by God that he was going to be king, right? And so through the process of all that, he goes through a lot of hardship. And uh, Saul is trying to kill him. And they go back and forth. And all of a sudden, there's like this, this in war that's happening uh, for the kingdom. And in the process of all that, Saul... Um, is killed, Jonathan is killed, and David now comes into reign, and he is the king of, of, of Israel. And so um, what's going on is he's figured out everything that, 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 that's happened. There was this thing with, with, uh, with the Ark of the Covenant, and they had to retrieve it, and they, they, they did all this stuff. And so after he had figured out and put everything in order, um, he remembers that he had made God a promise. And so that's exactly where, where we're, we're jumping into, we're, we're diving into this um, and reading. And so you guys with me? Here we go. Uh, so that's 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. And it says, and David said, he asked this question, is, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, yep, I am. I'm your servant. And so then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And so Ziba said yes uh, to the king. There's still a son, a son of Jonathan. So right, so King Saul had a son, Jonathan, and Jonathan apparently has a son. Um, There's still a son of Jonathan, and he's crippled at his feet. So the reason that, that uh, Jonathan's son was crippled was because when they found out that Saul, King Saul had been killed in, in battle and that Jonathan had been killed in battle, the caretaker, the babysitter for this little baby that was to be the heir, if any of them died, he would be the king. Um, he would be the king. And so she was literally holding the king, the future king, in her hands. And so she, she gets up and she begins to flee and she runs. And in the process of running, she ends up dropping um, this little kid. And so he ends up becoming crippled. And this is Mephibosheb. So there's still a son, a Jonathan, and he's crippled in his feet. Uh, and the king said, where, where is he? And so Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of... Machir, Machir, the son of 
Amiel, and then the king sent to David and brought he he brought him from the house of Machir to the son the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And here we go. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, um, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face, and he paid homage. And then David said, Mephibosheth. And then he answered, I behold, I am your servant. That's what Mephibosheth said. I am your servant. And then David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you the land of your father, Saul, um, everything that he had owned. I will give it back to you. And you shall eat at my table continually, right? So he's offering him to, for, to eat at the king's table. And he paid homage and said, yes, um, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I. So Mephibosheth knew that back in the day of kingdoms and kings and conquering of, of, of kingdoms, that when somebody took over a kingdom, you left nothing. And so like if, if, if you found that that was like a son of a son of a son of a cousin of whatever it was, it was just custom that people knew that, that you were going to clean, you were going to clean house. Because you didn't want anyone to ever get in the way of, of overtaking your throne. And there were people that still within the kingdom that would feed into that and help whoever was alive um, to gain the power. So you just, made, you just made sure that you killed everybody. And so David here turns it around. And it's, it's one of those things where um, we believe that, that, that the Holy Spirit allowed um, us to have this story from David. That something that happened back in the Old Testament... Um, so that it would, it, would, it would be a foreshadowing and uh, a prediction, right? We're always, whatever we do when we read the scriptures, when we read the Bible, we always want to see Jesus in the scriptures. Um, when we read the Old Testament, there's, 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 Jesus is kind of poking through and like teaching us who he is through these stories, right? And so here, David changes it around and he says, I know that that's what kings should do. I made a promise to God that if there were people who made it that were, that were part of Saul's family, that I would save them, that I would bless them. And so um, Mephibosheth's like, dude, I'm a dead dog. You should kill me. And then David says, no, I'm going to save you. So then the king called Ziba, uh, Saul's servant, to him and all that belonged to Saul and his house. And he says, I have given to your master's grandson. It's all his. Um, and you and your sons and your servants shall uh, till the land for him and shall bring him the produce and that your master's grandson may have uh, bread to eat. And so he's getting hooked up with all kinds of stuff. But Mephibosheth, um, your master's grandson shall always eat at my table. So he literally granted Mephibosheth all that, and then he said, on top of that, he's going to come and he's going to eat at the table of the king as if he were a son of the king. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord and king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table, like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who had lived in Seba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem for, uh, he ate always at the king's table, and now he was lame in both of his feet. <sighs> all right, we made, that was long, huh? 
it's a good story. I love stories, man. So I've got another one. Um, when, uh, when I was a little kid, my mom, she would read me the Proverbs every night. And I recommend that to anyone and everyone. It's just great. There's 31 of them. And you can look at the calendar. If it's July 15th, you go straight to Proverbs 15th and you read that one. And it's just a bunch of wisdom and it's a bunch of stuff not to do and stuff that stupid people do and how not to be a fool. And it's just great. And it doesn't matter if you're seven years old or 77 years old, it's something great to do. And my mom would read that to, to us every night. And then as soon as she was done reading that to us, she would pray for us. And when she was done praying for us, as my kids call it, giving us the tuk-tuk, um, she would say, now, I suggest that you would pray for your spouse. So, good night, Mo. I'm going I'm to close the door, Moy, Moises. And, and you, you, you should spend some time, if you can't go to sleep, you should spend some time praying for your spouse. And what's crazy enough is somewhere, okay, in Northern California um, was my wife, and she was having kind of a similar conversation with her mom. And, um, and so she would pray for her spouse. And even so crazy as Lorelin wrote me a letter. She wrote a letter to her future husband when she was, how old were you? Huh? Like 15. When she was 15 years old, she wrote a letter to me. And, um, you know, she didn't know and whatever. And so, um, so I think we have pictures of that. Can we show pictures of, of Laura Lynn when she was maybe 15 or close to 15? There she is. She's in the center there. That's Laura Lynn. Yeah. And that's her mom and dad, her little brother, and then Kelly, her sister Kelly. Okay, so at that same time was my family. Let's show that one. Oh. <laughs> that's awesome. So... You like the turtleneck? Yeah, it's awesome. All right. That's going to be back pretty soon. It may already be back. I need to find myself a turtleneck and a gold chain. All right. Here's, here's the thing. Um, Lori, Lynn, Lori Lynn did that because she listened to her parents. She was a, she was a great kid. Um, I, I was already starting to have issues, and I remember my mom telling me that, and I remember thinking, no way. I don't want God to pick who I'm going to marry. I want to pick who I want to marry. And I, I, chose, I chose not to. I chose not to pray for my spouse. And um, I chose not to trust God. I chose to take it into my own hands. I chose to do the things I wanted to do. I chose to walk down the paths and involve myself with people that I wanted to involve myself with. Back to the Mephibosheth story. Don't, don't you think maybe that Mephibosheth, when, when he was figuring out that David was calling for him, that maybe he would have said, no way, David's going to kill me. I'm going to keep fleeing. I, I don't want anything to do with David because he's going to kill me. I don't want anything to do with that. And so um, in a lot of senses, I, I, I kind of feel that, that Mephibosheth, Syndrome, if you want to call it that. And so to the point where 
I didn't, I didn't trust God, but I remember, like I told you guys, the moment I met Lori Lynn, the moment I saw her, like I knew, and, and it was crazy, like I knew I had messed up. Like I saw her and I said, shoot, what, what I wanted, everything I ever wanted was exactly what God wanted for me, except I was just so stupid and an idiot not to realize that what God wants for me is ultimately what I want. Because I wasn't trusting. I wasn't trusting. I was thinking that God might kill my dreams. That God might kill my things I wanted to do. Yet, I couldn't comprehend that, that, that God knew exactly what I needed. And um, tonight, as we hang out here and as, as you guys are sitting here, you've got to be thinking through who you are, what you've done where you've been, who you've involved yourself with. And maybe there's a few of you here who, who, who have been praying for your spouse and, and, and saving yourself, and that's awesome, that's great. But for those of us who decided maybe not to trust God, maybe to take things into our own hands and to know, hey, God, you know what? I think I've got this figured out. Um, those last two songs that we sang, are, are beautiful because they remind us of God's grace, right? And, and, and Mephibosheth experienced um, the most amazing grace from David, right? And so David says, because, because of Jonathan's sake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restore you. Because of Jonathan's sake, Mephibosheth, you get to hang out at the table and you get to, 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 to come across as if you were, you are a son of the king. I will give you grace. I will restore you. I will bless you. I will give you back everything that your family lost. And so in essence, the day I met Lori Lynn, I kind of felt that way. Because I felt maybe like I didn't deserve such, such an amazing girl. I felt like I had done some mistakes. I felt like I had done some stupid things in my life to where like she was just way out of my ballpark. And that I didn't deserve her. And then yet God still comes in and he blesses me with such an amazing human being that has made me so much better than, um, I, I joke around and I say that had I not met Laura then I think I'd still be in college. I'd be on to my 15th major that I had changed. And that one song that I started writing, I'd still be writing it because I never finished it. Um, she is definitely the best thing that has ever happened to me aside from, from, from Jesus in my life. And so I feel God's grace. Really cool story is um, Mephibosheth doesn't miraculously get his feet back. You guys heard the story of, 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 of uh, uh, Jacob who he wrestles with God and, he, and, and, and he's got a limp for the rest of his life. A lot of times we suffer the consequences of our actions, and uh, God doesn't choose to, to take away our scars completely because it's a reminder. But yet, as Mephibosheth sits at the table, his feet are covered, and there's grace, and he is the son of a king. Later on, um, David actually loses his throne. So his son, Absalom, um, dethrones him 
because of some stuff that had happened, family drama, the whole deal. The kids were upset. David had done some mistakes. And so um, God takes away his blessing from David. And for some time, David lost the throne. And so David sent, sent for spies. And spies come back and they tell uh, David that um, Mephibosheth uh, completely turned his back and disowned David and betrayed him. And that ends up really hurting David's heart. When he finds out that Mephibosheth had, had betrayed him, it really hurts David. And so then um, some other things happen, and then David actually um, ends up getting the blessing back. So he ends, up, he ends up taking over, getting rid of Absalom, and um, he becomes king again. And immediately when he becomes king, he goes to Mephibosheth to figure out why he had betrayed him. And then he realizes that Mephibosheth had made an oath that he would not cut his hair, that he would not change his clothes, and that he would not bathe until his king came back. Dang. Because of the grace that, God had, that David had bestowed on Mephibosheth the first time through, Mephibosheth believed so much in King David that he was so grateful because of the grace that had been given to him that he vowed not to do those things until his king came back. See, this is, this is, it's a mirror of what Christ wants to do in your life and in mine. He, he wants to give you a place at the table to dine and to eat as if you were a daughter of the king, as if you were a son of the king. And he wants you to be so devoted and be loyal to the king that, that, that even though you're at a place where you're like, God, man, I've been waiting. I've got this empty hole in me and I don't know how to fill it and I keep making dumb decisions. That you would, that you would make a vow. And it, not, not one that, would, that we need you to shower, we need you to shave, okay? And we need you to, to cut your hair if you need to but that you would make a vow in your heart to trust God and to not take it into your own hands. That, that we would begin to make decisions that will affect the next 20 years of our lives. For us personally and our relationship with Christ, for our character, for who we are as people, for whoever we're going to end up with. And uh, a lot of us need grace. I, I, I know that I needed it. I know that God gave me so much more than what I deserve. But I know that it's not too late. I know that if, if we make a stand to be legit, to be loyal to our king, that God can, can, can begin to do some amazing things and that he can shower us with some amazing grace and that he can bless us in his time as we trust in him. Guys, I want to thank you for, for letting me share with you guys, for letting me be silly and, and dumb with you and tell you some awkward stories about me and my wife. But I, I, I pray that... Uh, that this, is, that this is relevant, that it's impacting who you are, and that, that our story can, can encourage you guys. We're not perfect. We're all jacked up. Keep, 
Keep hanging out. I'll tell you more stories. And you'll be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you, Moy. I went light on you guys tonight. Um, it's God's grace on both of us. We're not perfect. We're full of mistakes. But we, we are so blessed. And God has blessed us with an amazing family and amazing boys. Our boys are, are, are just awesome. And you know what? They're going to make mistakes, too. And we're, we're waiting for them, too. You know, sometimes we feel like they're just such good kids. But our parents thought we were good kids. And your parents maybe think you're, you're good kids. But we know. We know who we are. We are people who need God's grace. And we need it so bad. But it's good. Because that's what he wants to do. That's what he's about. He was writing it thousands and thousands of years ago. He demonstrated it with Jesus. And right here, right now, the same power of that story is right here, right now. And we just, we just get to receive it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thank you that you do not give up on us. Thank you that you are king, that you are Lord, that you're the, the, the almighty, the most amazing thing, the most powerful thing. You're the God who makes the whole earth spin and float, and yet you care about the details. You care about us. And so, Father, we just come before you. We thank you for your grace. And so those, those of us that, that, that need it, may you shower it. May you uh, just, just allow us to experience your grace, to know that it is because of, of Jesus' sacrifice for the sake of Jesus that you have brought us into your kingdom. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for, for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for the young adults. We thank you for the lives. And I just pray. I pray that you would, uh, that you would do something here tonight and that you, would, that you would touch the hearts and that you would convict the hearts and that there would be oaths that would be done here, made here tonight, commitments that would be made here tonight to our King, to wait, to be patient, to trust. We love you, Father. We thank you. And all of God's people said, amen.